I have it muted and unmuted now. Apparently I had it on the whole time I was singing, which is totally awkward. Um, listen, uh, I'm really happy to be able to be up here and, and preach the word with you this morning. I just want to say part of the thing that I enjoyed this morning is just a good reminder that the gospel is actually really good news. So you can actually really enjoy singing songs to him. It doesn't have to feel sad and mopey and like we're like everything's bad. Like it's, it's good news. It really is. It's good news. And it's good to sing and be happy about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I just want to, yeah, y'all can clap. That's good. I'm grateful you committed to clap. It wasn't like the half hearted. So that's, that's good. Let me, let me share a couple announcements with you real quick. The first is you just saw the video. We want to keep reminding you about small groups. One of the big things that we believe Jesus has commanded the churches for us to be in real, authentic, deep relationships with one another. And we want to create spaces for that opportunity to exist. That's why we have small groups. Uh, they're starting in September. They'll be Wednesday night on campus, Sunday morning on campus, and all throughout the week at homes. Uh, check those things out in the foyer. There's tables all over the place. We want you to check those up. Check, check those out and sign up. Check those up is a short way to say check it out and sign up. Uh, the other thing is Wednesday nights, uh, we're going to be throwing a couple curves balls at you. Uh, there's going to be some groups on Wednesday night, but there's also some training that we want to do. There's, there's things that we are calling the core trainings. These are the cores that we want every person who comes to this church to, to learn. The first core is when you learn uh, how to read the word and how to pray. This is like an ab workout, so I don't know if that helps or not. Uh, I should have someone else's abs to help illustrate this. Um, the first, we want everyone to know how to word the, read the word and pray. That's the first core. We want every single one of us to know how to encounter God through his word and prayer. The second one is the gospel. We want you to know how to share the good news and how to apply the good news to your, to your life in every aspect and all the things you're dealing with. We want everyone to get the gospel. The third core is community and service. And the fourth core is mission. We want you to know how to be in community and we want to know how to reach people for Jesus. And so those are just going to be two week classes. So the first core starts in two weeks. It's the word and prayer. We just want you to be aware of that. You'll be seeing that stuff in the bulletin. Okay. Now that was my announcement time. And I always have a hard time adjusting from announcements to jumping in the word. So I'll take a moment to pray. Here's what we're going to pray. We're going to pray that God helps me teach. We're going to pray that God helps all of us hear what he would say to us through his word. So would you, would you pray with me? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? God, we're, we're reminded that not only that we need you, but that you're really good and you're kind and you're patient and you're strong and, and you're present. God, we believe that you're here today listening to our songs and, and working in our hearts. And God, you, you're here. And God, I pray that as you work in our midst that you would do this thing, that this thing that's only explained by you being real and present. I'm praying that you would work in our hearts. I'm praying that you would help us to hear exactly what you would say to us through your word. And God, I, I pray you to make it clear that you were here, that you would use my words to actually help that happen. God, I, I want to be used by you today. So I'm praying you would take my frailty and my weakness and you would use it to make your name great. God, I, I'm praying that we would leave here with joy and happiness because of the good news of Jesus, with peace because we met you and heard from you today. And I'm praying we would leave here changed. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, we're, we're going to be wrapping up our series on prayer. We've, this is our ninth week. This summer, we spent the summer looking at a series on what the, what the Bible says about prayer. And listen, it's, as we've been doing that, there's just been this thing that's been growing in me, uh, this, this desire 
to see God work in our midst, like not just in theory, like, I mean, to really see him work. I mean, in a way that you experience and you taste it, that it happens inside of you, that, that you encounter God in this place. That, that's the thing that I want to have to happen. I, I, I want us to have deep relationships. I want our hearts to burn on fire for Jesus. I, I want us to see people in our neighborhoods and this community get saved. I mean, radically saved and changed by the good news of Jesus. And, and I don't mean that we look clean and all put together. I mean, I'm talking about the most broken, desperate people meet Jesus and show up here and get to know him more. I'm talking about something radical and crazy that can only happen if God shows up. That, that, that desire was in me as we started this series, but, but the more we've been going through it, man, I've got to be honest, I, the more it's, been, it's just burning in me more and more and more, and, and I want it to burn in you, and, and I know that's going to happen. I, I know that's going to happen. It's going to happen because of prayer. I, I just, it, prayer is going to have to be a part of that, like, and and as I was wrestling with this series, my original plan was to spend this last sermon showing us how to use the Bible to shape our prayer. But, but I spent a lot of time getting ready for that this week. And I changed it this at the end of the week to where we're at today. Because as I was looking at that, I, I ended up in this passage in Luke 18 that just I could not shake. So if you would, would you open up your Bible to Luke chapter 18? And as you're turning there, let me tell you what's going on. Um, Jesus had just been talking and he's been talking about the coming kingdom of God. He said, listen, there's a time that God's going to come and it's going to be scary, right? Like he's talking, he's been talking about for a little while in Luke 17 about the end times saying, listen, he's going to come and one's going to be taken. One's going to be left. He's, he's talking about all of this stuff, all these, these things that are going to happen, things that are going to feel scary and terrifying judgment that's going to be coming. And right after he finishes telling him all this stuff about the end times, and I, I know you probably would say, well, tell us about the end times. I mean, is COVID the mark of the beast? Is the shot the mark of the beast? Is Maybe that's what you're wondering right now. Listen, as you're asking all these questions, there's a pandemic that's floating around the world and all the chaos and the conspiracies. In Luke 18, as the disciples are reeling after what Jesus has said to them, I mean, they're reeling. Like they actually, they said, hey, where is this going to happen? They're so nervous. And Jesus' response is, where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Like, oh, this is good news. This is really good news. Hey, you're going to see a lot of dead bodies. And when there's a lot of dead bodies, there's vultures. Look for the vultures. That's how you know where it's going to happen. And like, oh, man, like, what happened to happy Jesus? Jesus gives hugs. Like, this is scary. It's rattling. Like, I don't want to be here when that happens. I don't want to be around that. I don't, I don't want that. And, and they're reeling and trying to figure out what all this means. And then he tells this parable in Luke 18, right after they asked that question, right after that terrifying statement where the corpse is, there the vultures were gathered. Then he says this in verse one of chapter 18. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Like right out of the gate. He's, he's watching them respond to this and wrestle with it. And, and out of the gate, he's like, I, I got a concern for you. Like as you're thinking through all the difficulties and all the hardship, as, as you're thinking about this, I want you to know that you ought to always pray and not lose heart. I, that, just, that just stuck with me because I started thinking about what we've been through as a world in the last year and a half, two years. We've seen like chaos, right? Like we've seen 
a global pandemic that has put us all in lockdown for what started as six weeks and turned into forever, apparently, right? Like we are wearing masks and it's a normal thing. You ever think that was going to happen two years ago? Now, as we finally come out, we're saying, man, I hope this is it. I hope this is the end of it. Like, I'm hoping this is the end of the pandemic. Now there's the Delta variant. I don't know what happened to B and C, but we went straight to Delta. Like Delta is here and it's, and it's ripping through and it's more contagious and the hospitals are filling up and you're watching the news and the panic starts to well up a little bit, right? Like, and then you start thinking about the book of Revelation saying, now I understand when God says he kills a third of all the earth with pestilence. Is that COVID? Is that what's going on? Then there's the shot. There's the debate about which shot do you get or do you get the shot? Because what if it's the mark of the beast? And what if it's a lie? What if they're putting a microchip in me and they're going to track me for the rest of my life? And there's all that chaos. It's going to, it's going to kill me and make me sterile. There's all these questions bouncing around. And then there's all the political turmoil. There's riots and people who are angry. People are angry on both sides and they're saying crazy, ludicrous things. And we're sitting here in the middle watching this chaos happen back and forth. We're watching the world shake down to its core. And it'd be really easy to start asking some questions, just saying, man, I don't, I don't know about all this. I just, I don't want to be locked in my house anymore. I want to go back to normal. I don't want to go back to normal. I want to be in my house and I want to be safe. I don't, I don't want to deal with, with all these issues. That I, I don't want to deal with politics. I don't want to deal with doctors and big farm. I just, uh, what do I do with all this? And I think that when Jesus says this parable, I think this is a word for us today. And the the thing that we need to hear is his big concern for them. Always pray and don't lose heart. Don't don't lose heart. That phrase, phrase stood out to me when I read that, right? Like always pray is what got me there. I'm doing a series on prayer. Always pray. Jesus says to always pray. I should look at this, but it's that phrase and don't lose heart. These two things are connected, praying and not losing heart. They go together. They're not separate. So I'm honing in on this phrase, don't lose heart. Like, what does that mean? Well, well, listen, it means this. Losing heart, this phrase in the Greek means to lose motivation to do something good. To lose motivation, to lose enthusiasm. To stop doing something good because you've lost the heart for it. Man, losing heart, I think I can identify with that. We don't want to say that out loud, right? But, but listen, I mean, in a pandemic, it really is nice to sit at home and watch church from your couch. You can really lose heart to be engaged with the body. Listen, in, in, in a pandemic and all the chaos, you can just lose heart. Why bother? Like the world's going to fall apart anyways. I just want to want to be happy in my home and just be safe and secure and move on with my life. But loving my neighbor and loving people at the church and reaching people for Jesus, man, I don't, man, I, I don't know if I got the enthusiasm for that I had before this. It, the, the phrase lose heart several places in the New Testament. Let me read a few of them to you. Galatians chapter six, verse nine, talking about doing good and reaping. Here's what Paul says to the Galatians. And let us not, and that phrase, grow weary. Same exact word, lose heart. Don't let us lose heart of doing good. 
Why? For in due season, when we, we will reap if we do not give up. You know that moment when you feel like you've been laboring, trying to do ministry and do good things and nothing seems to be happening? Start to get tired of it? Why bother? Why get up every morning and read my Bible? Why get up every morning and pray? Like it feels cold and dry. Like I feel like I'm not meeting him. It's not changing me. Why bother? Listen, he says, don't lose heart. Don't lose your enthusiasm and your motivation and your hunger for him. Because if you keep doing what's good, he says, in due time, you will reap. Don't walk away before the harvest. He also says this about ministry, 2 Corinthians 4.1. Paul says, therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. I can imagine Paul saying, man, it's really hard to go from church to church to church. They run me out of town and then all of a sudden I leave and everything falls apart. They're in chaos. Like, why do I bother with this? No one likes me in the towns I'm at and the people who do like me tell me to shove off afterwards. But I got a ministry from God. It's by the mercy of God so I don't lose heart. But the biggie where it pops up is with suffering. Suffering is this moment that can cause us to lose heart. When, you, when things are hard and difficult and wearying, like you just feel yourself exhausted. Second Corinthians 4 verses 16 and 17, he says this, so we do not lose heart, though our outward self is wasting away. Right? Like, have so any of you ever felt that? You feel your body breaking down, things get harder, your health gets worse, the doctor's appointments start to pile up. You're experiencing that and Paul says, even if my body is, it's breaking down, we don't lose heart. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. He says this in verse 17, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Listen, I know it feels heavy. It feels real heavy right now, whatever you're going through. It feels huge. But he's saying, man, it's going to feel so small when you meet Jesus. But when you get that reward, it's going to feel like a light and passing affliction. And then you meet Jesus and you're like, man, that's huge and it's heavy and it's glorious and it's forever. Man, I, I meet Jesus and I get the reward. And that suffering, suddenly in light of that, it just feels smaller. Like, you know that, right? You remember the things in middle school and high school that were a big deal to you? Those friends that you cared a whole lot about what they thought about you right now? Y'all remember that? You care what they think about you now? I really hope not. Listen, listen, moms and dads, and if you still care about people in high school, think about you. We, we need to talk after this service. You need to come and find me. We got to move on past this. Like, like all of a sudden, those things that felt big at one time, you look back at middle school and you're like, man, that was so long ago and so small and insignificant. Now my real life has started. That doesn't matter anymore. It's, it's light and passing and this is heavier. It's going to be a million times better with Jesus than that. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 13, he says this. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you which is your glory. Like, listen, they're seeing Paul suffer and in prison. And he said, I don't want you to lose your motivation for knowing and loving Jesus because you watch me suffer. You ever had a friend or a loved one suffering right in front of you? Like you're watching the agony of this, whether it's that cancer diagnosis or that divorce or that addiction, you're watching them suffer. It just kind of, you can lose heart. 
Man, the Bible has a lot about losing hearts. So I, I have to ask, have you lost your heart or your motivation for following Jesus? Have you? Has it, has it waned? Have you lost your heart for personal time with him in his word and in prayer? Have you lost heart for doing good and serving others or serving the church? Have you gotten so worn out from ministry or trying to do good at your job that you're losing heart and motivation and energy? Ever been there? Just wore out and exhausted. Or maybe for you, it's not you've lost heart for all the good things. Man, maybe you're just suffering. Man, the difficulty's been so much. The isolation has been so much in COVID. You're losing heart. Maybe you're losing heart. It just doesn't feel worth it anymore. And we talk about all these isolation from COVID and all the depression that comes on for people and the isolation and the loneliness. Have you felt that? That, that, that thing that wants to give up? And Jesus says, don't lose heart. Listen, as this stuff piles up, I, I'm thinking about, man, I don't want to lose heart and I want to keep praying. So what is this awesome story that Jesus says that's supposed to encourage me to not lose heart? Like, what is, this, what is this parable that's supposed to help me get all these pieces together? I want to hear this story and I need it to be awesome because I feel like I'm on the edge. Right? That, that's what I'm at when I read that verse. I, I feel that. I'm like, oh man, give me a good story. And Jesus is good at stories, so I can't wait for this. Verse 2, he says this. And he said, in a certain city, there was a judge. And this judge, he neither feared God nor respected man. Listen. This judge is in a position of power and he doesn't care what you think about him. You, you aren't going to tweet shame him into changing his mind. He doesn't care what the news says. He's, he's not elected. He's not up for re-election. He doesn't care what you think. He doesn't care public opinion. He don't care. And to make it worse, he doesn't care what God thinks about him. That's the one that really gets you in trouble. Like, if I don't care what you think about me, it's a one thing. But if I don't care what God thinks, now we got a real problem on our hands. Now, there ain't nothing that keeps this dude in check. He's a judge. He's a city. And he don't care what God says is right and wrong. And he don't care what you think is right and wrong. He cares what he thinks. I don't like this guy. I'm going to be honest. I definitely don't like him if he's my judge. If he's my judge, listen, I want a dude that cares about right and wrong. I don't want to really want to care what other people think. I want to care what God thinks. Like I, I, that's what I want. I want a dude that's going to do right and wrong. That's, it's simple. I don't want a jerk up there that could care less about God and people. Verse 3, and there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. So here's this widow. She's probably oppressed. There's some guy that's trying to get her house or get her life savings. She feels this pressure from an oppressor that's coming after her. And she's got no defense except for this low down, dirty, rotten judge who don't care. He doesn't care. She can go to him and say, listen, God says you need to care about widows. Like, I don't care what God says. I don't care. She said, but listen, I've got no one else. This is your job. The people in the city, they want you to be a just judge. I don't care what the people in the city think. Man, please don't elect people like this for the love of everything good and decent. This good grief. This guy's the worst. He doesn't care. And she's got no hope. 
She's got no defense. She's vulnerable. She needs help. And her only option is to go to this judge. And I like it says she keeps going to him all the time. She's showing up all the time. She kept coming to him and saying, give me justice. She stopped making arguments. She stopped saying, hey, God says this or the people on this. She just says, give me justice. Day in and day out. She emails him every single day. She calls and leaves a mess with the secretary every single day. She waits outside his house. She waits in the parking lot by his chariot. She's there every single day saying, I got nothing left to do because that guy's taking my house. Give me justice. Give me justice. Give me justice. Day in and day out, she shows up to that judge who don't care what you think and doesn't care what God thinks. She wears that man down. Now, I suspect that some of y'all are good at that. Not from experience. I'm just saying, I suspect you're like, oh, I get that lady. I get that lady. I will pull that stunt all day long. My kids know this. My kids know this like the back of their hand. That's their favorite trick right there. Dad, can I play Nintendo now? No, hey, can you stop asking about Nintendo? Bye, Mr. Hey, Dad. How about now? I just said, stop. No, we're not playing Nintendo. Tomorrow morning, dad, can I play Nintendo? Tomorrow night, dad, can I play Nintendo? The next day, the weekend, the week out, my kids will ask as often as possible for Nintendo. They will ask for candy and ice cream and McDonald's French fries. They never get tired of asking me for French fries and ice cream and candy. Never. And listen, I like to think I'm better than that judge. (laughs) But man, they wear me down sometimes. They wear me down. I'm like, just take, can can we just, I need this to stop. Can we just give them ice cream? Kim, give that kid ice cream. I need him. I don't want to hear about ice cream. And he'll be eating the ice cream saying, can we get ice cream tomorrow? And I'm like, nothing works. (laughs) Nothing stops them from asking. It's wired in us. Verse five or verse four. So for a while he refused, just like me. You don't need no ice cream, but only meaner. I don't care. I don't care that it's right. I don't care that you're oppressed. I don't care that you need help. I just don't care. Dude's a scumbag. What judge doesn't care about a widow being oppressed? I don't care. He says, for a while he refused. But afterward, I don't know how long afterward, but I'm pretty sure she wore him down quickly. Afterwards, he said to himself, he's walking away. He's like, that lady again. She's, I'm in my house and she's standing out there again. This lady again, she's, talking, she's making me talk to myself now. He says to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, I will give her justice. Why? And I don't care about God. I don't care what people think. But dude, I'm going to give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. Here's the story. Listen, this judge, he's like, man, I just... I really don't care if God likes this or not. And I don't care if the people like it, but she's driving me nuts. I'm just going to go find this guy and throttle him myself so that she stops coming to my house every time. She's beat me down. Man, she is good. I mean, like I got kind of mad respect for this woman. She took a dude that don't care and worked him over. It may have taken her months, but she worked him over and she got justice. So, so I'm reading this story. And I'm like, man, Jesus, I'm trying to understand how this helps me not lose heart. I don't feel better right now. I mean, it's funny. The judge had to deal with that widow. It makes me laugh, but I don't feel better. I don't feel like I'm like, you know what? 
this is really good for me. Like, if, is God like this judge that just doesn't care and he's not going to listen and I got to nag him to death to get justice and help? If that's the case, that doesn't make me feel much better right now. I'm not sitting there going, oh man, I, oh, well, if I just got to nag him to death, then yeah, let's pray every day. This is, this is perfect. I feel great about that. Let's, let's not lose heart. Let's really get after it. I'm going to nag him for the next 15 years of my life until he gives me that new house and that new car. Does that make you feel better? Doesn't make me feel better. I'm like, Jesus, I, I know you're good at telling stories and all, but I don't get this. I don't, that isn't, that's not a happy story. And I'm pretty sure the disciples were in the same exact spot because look at what he says in verse six. He says, and the Lord said, he looks, he says a story, looks around. These guys are like, man, this, this gets worse. First the vultures, now the judge that's a jerk. Like I, I, like, I like happy, gracious Jesus better. Can we go back to that? that was, feed the 5,000. Let's do that. Let's not do this, this end of the world thing. Not, not a fan. Verse six, and the Lord said, Listen, hear what the unrighteous, let me emphasize, the unrighteous judge says. He says this. He says, I'm going to do it just to get it off my back. Like here's this unrighteous judge. And now he's about to say, listen, here's the point. God is not like the unrighteous judge. He's not unrighteous. He's not uncaring. He's not like that. Don't hear that what has to happen is God's uncaring. He's unrighteous. He doesn't care how bad it is for you. He doesn't care how hard it is. He's worried about his things. He's not worried about your things. Don't hear that. He said, this is what the unrighteous judge is like, but God is not like that. He's better than that. Look at what he says in verse seven. And will not give, will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him night and day? Or day and night, I think I just flipped him there. I said, read that more word for word. Like, isn't God going to give this to his elect who cry to him day and night? Isn't that what he's going to do? Like, if this judge gave justice just to get that lady off his back, what does it look like for a God who loves you and cares about you? And he hears you all the time going to him over and over and over again saying, God, I need help. God, I need help. I need you to help. I need you to help me. I need you. It doesn't seem fair. Like you've, you felt injustice. You felt it. And there's nothing you can do about it. And you go to God and you're saying, God, I, I need to do something about this. And he hears it. And he's not unrighteous. And he's not uncaring. He's saying, listen, you're his elect. You're his elect and he's listening to you and he cares deeply about what happens to you. Like there's this thing that can happen where we start believing these lies. We, we start believing this lie that God doesn't care, that God doesn't see and that God's not acting. We believe that he's unrighteous. And Jesus is saying, man, you start believing that you're going to lose heart and you're going to stop praying. He's saying he's better than that judge. Here's what it says in verse, the rest of verse seven. At the end of it, it says, will he delay long over them? Take it to mean is he's not indifferent or distracted. He's not going to stall because he's indifferent to you. He's not going to stall because he's got better things to do. Like, listen, when you feel depression weighing in on you and you're there at night 
and you're exhausted and you're wore out and you're tired of being alone and you start praying to God, listen, he's not saying, hey, Fias, I know you're really sad right now and you're heavy. I get that, but I got to take care of a world over here. So how about we talk about this tomorrow when I got less to do? He's not indifferent like that. He's not, let me remind you of the good news of Jesus. The the good news of Jesus is this. I want to remind you of the gospel. God sent his son, Jesus, to die for every man, woman, and child in the world. Every single one. What does that tell you about him? Uh, You can answer this one. He what? He loves us. Listen, did he send his son die to me, die for me because I was so good? No. Did he send his son to die for me because I was clean? Did he send his son to die for me because I had really awesome potential? He was like, man, if I just a few steps off, but if I can, if I can just inspire him, then man, he'll live this awesome life. Listen, no, he sent his son to die for me while I was broken and needy and dead in my sin and in rebellion. And he loved me. I had nothing to offer. I love him. It's the same thing about you. I love you. I'm sending my son to die for you. You didn't earn it or deserve it. Listen, and then Jesus actually came and he endured the cross. He took all of my sin and all of my shame. He took all of it, paid the price for all of it for me. And then he says, I want you to be my son or daughter. Just ask. Just trust me and ask. And I'll come and I'll clean you and I'll change you. I'll adopt you in the family. Man, I will do everything you need. Listen, with that in mind, when you think about all the suffering and about calling out to God, let me read Romans chapter 8. Verse, I'm going to read a lot of verses here. Verse 31 through 39. Uh, think about this. I want you to keep it in mind when we're dealing with suffering and you, you're tempted to believe that God is unrighteous and uncaring and unmoved. It says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Let me, let me highlight this. God is for you. You may not feel it. You may not see it. You may not even believe it. But he's for you. He says this in verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If he's going to die on the cross for you, he cares about what happens to you. He didn't just die on the cross and say, figure the rest out. I'll see you when you get to heaven. Hopefully it's not too rough of a ride. I did my part. You do yours. Verse 34. He says, who's to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised at the right hand. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, COVID, or distress? That's not going to separate you from the love of Jesus. Or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. Is any of that going to separate you from the love of Jesus? Man, when you start to feel tempted to lose heart, I want to remind you that he loves you and he sent his son to die for you and there is nothing, there is nothing 
that can separate us from his love. That, that's a strong love. Nothing can separate you from the love of Jesus. That is really, really, really good news. So don't lose heart. Church, don't lose heart. He loves you and he cares and he sees. Verse 36, as it's written, for your sake, we're being killed all the day long. Feels like we're sheep going to the slaughter. And even in that, verse 37, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, the things that are happening right now, nor things to come, the Delta variant or whatever new disease is on its way or whatever one world government is getting set up, not things that are present, not, not the things that are to come, nor powers, doesn't matter how strong they are, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Listen, that, that moment you want to believe that he doesn't care, he doesn't see, and he doesn't act, I want you to remember, he did see. He saw my sin. He did care. He loved me. He did act. He sent his son to die on the cross for me. If he would do that for my sin, he would do that for my soul that was angry at him and just disconnected from him. What's he going to do when you're a son or daughter and you need his help? That's the point Jesus is making. He's not like the judge. He's not like the unrighteous judge. He hears and he hears his elect, the ones he loves, the ones he died for, the ones he saved. He hears them calling out day and night. Now, I need you to hear that. They don't just call out once. They're calling out day and night over and over and over and over and over again. And he hears it and there's delay. And in that delay, we can be tempted to say, he doesn't care. He's like the unrighteous judge. So I either need to give up or I need to try to nag him. Man, that, that's not at all what he's like. I, I want to make a few points here real quick. I want you to know this. As you pray for God to work, when you're suffering or you're struggling, God may be acting behind the scenes in a way that is invisible to you. Just because you don't see him working doesn't mean that he's not working. This is important for you. You're one of his kids and you pray, God, I need your help. And nothing happens. And you're praying day and night. You could be tempted to leave because you don't see him acting that he's not acting. I want to tell you a story. Uh, there was a time uh, after I finished college, I went and worked at this brand new camp. So I'm working at this camp. We're planning a church. We're starting a camp. And in the off season, uh, we've got very little money. Like it is like tight at the camp. I mean, I'm making like 200 bucks a month. It's like a complete ripoff. I don't know why I signed up for that. I'm making $200 a month. Like it's not enough to pay for insurance or gas or food. Like it was, it was rough. We're working lots of hours and we've got like someone donated this water slides. So we're going to put it together. And like, I mean, it is like tight. And every morning before work, we'd go to the camp breaker's office and he, he was a few years older than me and we would pray like, God, we don't know what we're doing, but we need, you to, we need you to help. We don't have enough campers. We don't know how we're paying the bills. Then all of a sudden, one day over uh, the winter break, this ice storm came through. I, I'd never been in an ice storm. I'm a Florida boy. I don't like ice. You just need to know that. And apparently ice storms, this is my experience of it, uh, 
They're not snowstorms, it's just ice and it freezes on the trees and it adds a lot of weight to the trees. And trees that aren't used to that, that are in the south, start snapping left and right. So we lost all electricity. Uh, we had no heat. Again, I'm a Florida boy. It was not my favorite. And there are trees down all over the place. Cabins, roofs are destroyed. I mean, there's trees everywhere. And, and all of our plans, what we thought for the fall, all of, our, all, all of our retreats that were scheduled to pay the bills, they're all canceled because we can't hold them. And I'm a 23-year-old learning how to run a chainsaw, cutting down trees I ought not to ever have cut down. You just need to know that. It was, I look back, I'm like, that was really, really stupid. And I remember we, we're sitting there in the staff meeting and we've lost all this income. We don't know how we're paying these bills. So we start praying, God, we don't know what to do. And nothing, nothing, nothing. I kept praying, nothing. We didn't see anything work. This one dude shows up one day. He's a logger in the area. And he says, hey, man, I, you got some idiots here cutting down trees. How about I help? Which is a real big relief. And I'll just haul them away. He's like, I'll give you some money for the trees. But let me just haul them away. So that dude just starts hauling these pine trees away and these oak trees away. that are all over the place. Uh, then, but still nothing. And the check didn't come. And we were getting really nervous. We didn't think it was going to be much. A few hundred bucks. Dude, we got a check. We got a check like two months later, right before camp was starting as we were getting real tight and it paid every single one of our bills. You know what God did? He took our suffering and all of our plans, took this ice storm that was a complete tragedy and it paid for every roof. It paid every insurance premium. It paid the staff salaries. It paid for everything for that year. It got, gave us way more than we ever would have gotten with the retreats. And if we weren't careful... We'd have been praying and didn't see God work. He was working in the background and we didn't even know it. Just because you don't see God work doesn't mean he's working. He's not working. He might be working in the background. Here's what else might happen. You might be in this awful challenge. You're struggling with it. You're saying, God, I need you to get me out. He might not get you out. He might give you grace to endure. Listen, that's him acting. That's him moving. You may say, I want out. He's saying, no, the best thing for you as you're done, I'm going to leave you in this and it's going to grow you and strengthen you, but I'm going to give you grace and I'm going to be with you. Don't think that's God not working. That's him working. He's real and he's present and he's giving you grace to endure things you never thought you could endure. Listen, that's, that's God working. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart because you don't see him working because he might be working in the background. Don't lose heart because it doesn't take you out because he may be giving you grace to endure. And the third one is don't, don't believe those lies that he doesn't care and he doesn't see and he doesn't act. The gospel tells us he does care and he does see and he does act. So I want to call you not to lose heart. You keep praying and seeking Jesus. Don't lose heart. There's another verse in this parable. He isn't, Jesus isn't done yet. Verse eight of Luke chapter 18. He says this, he ends it with a question. I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Like he, oh, he's going to act. And when he comes, it's going to be sudden and quick. He'll handle it. Nevertheless, look at this question. When the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? When he shows up, 
when he shows up here and he walks to this church, the question for us is, church, when he comes and looks at us, will he find a church that lost heart? Will he find a people that say, man, I used to love following God. I lost, I, lost, I lost heart reading his word and praying decades ago or years ago. Will he find a church that's lost heart to worship him and love him? Will he find a church that's lost heart to love one another? Hey, there's too many wounds, too much rejection, too much awkwardness, too much stuff in my head. I've lost heart trying to love the people next to me in this room. I just lost heart. Was that what he'll find here? Will he find a church that lost heart to reach people in this city for him? Will he find a people that said, I like going, but don't ask me to reach. Don't ask me to love strangers and people who look broken. Don't ask me to share the gospel. Definitely don't ask me to do that. Will he find a people that still love him and have persevered? Or will he find a church that lost heart to reach the lost? What will he find with us individually? When he shows up, are we going to be a person that's lost heart and given up, lost our enthusiasm to know him and to love him and to walk with him? Will he find a people who have lost heart to fight sin? Will he find a people that have lost heart to really do everything to obey him and his word? Or will he find people? Will he find people who haven't lost heart? They're always praying and watching for him to work. Church, I pray he finds us to be a people that haven't lost heart. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Let's take a few moments here to walk us through a time of response. In a moment, we're going to sing a song and, uh, in response to him. But as, as we wait for that, there's another thing that's going to be happening as we sing that song. Uh, we get a chance to respond to what God's done in our heart. So our altar will be open if you want to pray. Well, pastors and decision counselors down front, we'd love to talk with you. If you need to speak with us, we'll take you to a room and, and just have whatever conversations you need to have. But let me ask you, what, what did God do in your heart? Is there something he said to you today? Listen, maybe today you, you find yourself teetering. You are on the edge of losing heart. You're just, you're wore out and you're tired. You're tired of fighting sin. You're tired of reaching out to people. You're tired of pursuing him. You're just tired. Listen, I want to encourage you. His command was not for you to work harder. He said, don't lose heart and pray. Man, if you're on the edge of losing heart, I just want to encourage you to, to call out to him and to pray and ask him to help you not lose heart. Some of you are in the midst of a fire of suffering that none of us know, or maybe some of us do know. And you need Jesus. You want him to be with you. And, and maybe you've already lost heart. Maybe you've just said it. He doesn't see, he doesn't care. He's not acting. Listen, would you remind yourself of how he interacted with you and your sin with Jesus on the cross? He saw, he cared, he acted. Preach the good news to yourself that he does do that and don't lose heart. He's quick to forgive. Just ask him. For some of you here today, and you, you know church, you know being good, you, you know all this stuff. Uh, your problem is not that you, 
you're losing heart. Your problem is you never had it to begin with. Man, if that's you, if you're a person here who the thing that stands out to you is, I was sharing that good news about Jesus dying on the cross for his sins and coming back to life three days later. And the thing that the spirit was doing in your heart was, man, no, you need to believe that for the first time. You need to place your trust in Jesus and get saved today. I wanna encourage you. It's not complicated and it's not hard. He just says, if you will admit that you're a sinner and believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and ask him to save you, that he will. And if, you, if your response today is that you need to get saved, I wanna encourage you right there in your seat, ask him to save you. In a moment, we're gonna sing, but I wanna remind us of one last thing. Not losing heart is not something you have to do by yourself. Not losing heart is what you need Jesus to help you do. And he will. Man, as we sing this next song, would you sing it as an act of worship to Jesus that says, man, I don't wanna lose heart. I'm grateful that you sent your son to die for me. I believe you. And I'm asking you to help me cling to you for all the days of my life. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, God, I pray for us as a church as we move to this song of response. God, I pray we would be a people. God, we, I pray we'd be a people that would not lose heart, that we would hunger for you and our fire, the fire in our heart would burn for you. I pray we would love one another and reach people. God, I pray we would always pray. Protect us from the lies that you don't care. Protect us from the lies that you don't see and protect us from the lies that you don't act. God, I pray we would, we would not believe those lies. We'd believe the truth. And I pray it all in Jesus' name, amen.